0: This is Because I Said So, Parenting Advice, with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Rosemond. Syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved, from American Family Radio, here's your host, John Rosemond. Hello, and welcome to another edition, or episode, as you will, of because I Said So with your host, moi, John Rosemond, family psychologist, best-selling parenting author, nationally syndicated newspaper columnist. What else do I do? I run around the country and speak at primarily churches and Christian schools, but my real qualifications are I've been married to the same woman for 48 and one-half years. We were married when I was 20 and she was 19. Uh, One year later, we were a family of three. And her name is Willie. Her actual name is Wilma. But uh, I told her early on, I can't call you Wilma. I've just watched too much Flintstones to be able to do that. So she became Willie at that point in time. We have two children, Eric, who is a international corporate pilot married with four children and Amy, who's a homemaker and homeschooler and is married with three children. And so those are my real qualifications. Married for a long time, a parent for a long time, and a grandparent for 22 years. So anyway, welcome to another episode of this very politically and psychologically incorrect program that is carried exclusively on American Family Radio. You can Hear me every Saturday afternoon or early evening on American Family Radio in your area of the country at five o'clock central time. They like for me to say that because they're in Tupelo, Mississippi. I'm in North Carolina, uh, New Bern, North Carolina, in the downtown historic district. I'm not going to tell you any more than that. If you find my house, you can knock on the door and say hello. And I'm not kidding, by the way. I am um, carried on American Family Radio, I almost lost my place there. I do do that. I go off on tangents and down rabbit holes, but I, I seemingly manage to tie it all together, most of the time anyway, which is uh, all that you can expect from a 69-year-old guy these days. Anyway, what was I talking about? Yes, American Family Radio, Saturday, 5 o'clock Central Time, 6 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Mountain, 3 o'clock Pacific. And I enjoy doing the show, and I hope you will enjoy listening. The show is, as I said before, politically and psychologically incorrect. I am an evangelical Christian. Above all else, a believer in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I do not believe in psychology. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I believe psychology is a non-biblical, unbiblical, anti-biblical worldview that Christians should stay away from. And uh, so anyway, I'd like to talk about, uh, because I am a psychologist, it gives me certain uh, privilege. And today I would like to talk about craziness. So crazy, crazy, I'd like to talk about that concept. It is a relative Concept. In other words, in order to speak accurately of someone or something being crazy, one must first identify the comparative standard of normal. So I maintain in that regard that since the late 1960s, American child rearing, what is now called parenting, has been going steadily insane. Today's parents, by and large, are nuts. What is my standard of parenting normalcy? Ah, it is my childhood. I was born in 1947, so my childhood ended around 1960, and the childhoods of people my age, generally speaking, there are, of course, exceptions. But most people my age or thereabouts, and older folks as well, of course, had normal childhoods. And from what I can tell, in America, a normal childhood goes all the way back to the founding. So anyway, that statement then begs the question, what criteria identify a normal childhood? Well, that is a great question. First, we... We baby boomers being raised by the so-called greatest generation, and they were a pretty great group of people, by and large. We were no big deal. We were little fish in a big pond. Our parents and other adults, in fact, took every opportunity to tell us exactly that. You are a little fish in a big pond, John Roseman, my mother would say. My mother was a single parent for most of the first seven years of my life, a very practical, witty, and intelligent person. And she would say, it would be to your benefit now and to the rest of your life, John Roseman, if you always keep in mind, no matter what you accomplish in this world, that you are really just a little fish in a big pond. Now, what that meant was that I was, as are all people, here to serve, not be served. The other person was more important than you in most situations, almost all situations, in fact. And if you treated the other person, as though they were in fact more important than you, you would be a happier individual. And by the way, folks, that's as true today as it was back then. The key to personal happiness is pay attention to other people and serve other people. Anyway, the second criteria that identified ours as normal childhoods was we were not given much. Our parents wanted us to know that one gets things by working, not by simply existing money, we were told, did not grow on trees. (laughs) I was told that, oh, at least once a month. Every time I wanted something, it seems, you know, what do you think, money grows on trees? Well, it doesn't. Anyway, our parents, the so-called, again, greatest generation, wanted to convince us that we would be able, once emancipated, to make better lives for ourselves than they were willing to make for us. And they did succeed at convincing us of that. And so we emancipated early and successfully. In 1970, the average age of male emancipation in America, full economic and residential emancipation, paying your own bills, living at least 250 yards away from your parents, not in their basement, or a tree house in their backyard, was between the 20th and 21st birthdays. Today, it's around 28 and rising. I, as I alluded to earlier, was married and supporting a family by the time I was 21 years old. Third, we were held accountable for our actions. When we did wrong things, no one defended us, not even our parents. We had no enablers, none. I remember I was somewhat of a mischievous kid. I mean, downright bad. And um I was a huge behavior problem in the seventh grade. I mean, huge. I, you know, I wasn't disobedient, rebellious in an outward overt sense, but I was disruptive in class. I was disruptive because I was funny. Still am, if you've noticed. And uh, so, I, you know, I was the class comedian, not clown. The clown is silly. I was genuinely funny, I maintain anyway. That may be uh, self-delusion. But uh, anyway, I could keep the whole class uh, in stitches. And uh, my teachers did everything they could to get me to stop. And finally... After a conference one February afternoon, my parents came home, mother and stepfather, and told me that if I was reprimanded by one teacher, and I had about five teachers, between then and the end of the school year, that I would repeat the seventh grade regardless of what grades I had. And I was a straight-A student, and I believed them. And so the next day I went to school and. In 24 hours, ADHD, oppositional defiant disorder, uh, and a host of other sociopathic maladies was, or were, cured. Fourth, we were expected to make whatever contribution we were capable of making to our families. This contribution was called chores, which we did for no pay. Pay? Ha <laughs> We were on family welfare. Our parents funded our lives. They fed us, protected us, put roofs over our head, shirts on our back, shoes on our feet. We did not even ask for pay. Fifth, we were expected to obey and there were scary consequences if we didn't. Sixth, and along those lines, we were afraid of adults, beginning with our parents. Those six things, ladies and gentlemen, I, John Rosemond, parenting expert, those six things are not true of today's kids and haven't been true for quite some time. Today's kids are a big deal. They're given a lot. They're not held accountable for their actions. Their parents are enablers. Their parents pay them for doing whatever chores they agree to do around the house. And even then, they don't do them properly, but expect the pay anyway. Today's kids are not expected to obey. They're expected to disobey, and there are no scary consequences if they do. And today, instead of children being afraid of parents, parents are afraid of children. Again, I recognize that there are exceptions. I'm speaking in general terms, but I maintain that these general terms are accurate. And for all those reasons, I assert that today's parents are nuts. They're nuts. They fail to do what parents 60 years ago and beyond did And then they complain about the consequences of their own failures and believe, by the way, that the consequences in question, misbehavior on the part of children in various forms is coming out of their children, which is, of course, exactly what the mental health professions and big pharma want them to believe, which is exactly why so many of today's kids have diagnoses and are on drugs. Back in a minute. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, John Rosemond. And again, the show is called Because I Said So. It's called Because I Said So, because that's what I determined that it would be called. And you can find out more about me, your host, John Rosemond, a J O H N R O S E M O N D, And you can just go and type that in and put .com after it. And up will come Directions to my website, where you can find uh, my books, CDs, upcoming speaking schedule, how to book me, how to get a consultation with me, etc., etc., etc. All that stuff. And uh, so, anyway, in today's program, I am talking about the fact that American parenting, and and in one way, shape, or form, I talk about this every Saturday because uh, they're, they're really this is what we need to talk about in America. Culture begins with raising children. The way a culture raises its children determines whether the culture will be a strong culture or a weak culture. It even determines whether the culture is going to last much longer. And I will tell you that people my age, we are very concerned that our culture may not last a whole lot longer. The reason being is we are not training American children in a way that instills in them a love of America, a patriotism, an appreciation for the wonderful benefits of being an American and a willingness to defend the freedoms, the liberties that America stands for and has stood for for over well over 200 years in the world. We are raising children instead who en masse a vote for politicians who promise them stuff, who promise them entitlements. And the reason being is that they have been on an entitlement program funded by their parents ever since the day they were born. And I was saying in the first part of the show, this contrasts markedly with the type of childhood that prevailed in America 60 plus years ago. I was not entitled. My parents didn't give me a lot. They did not share their standard of living with me. My standard of living was lower than theirs. And it should be, ladies and gentlemen, you parents in this audience today, this radio audience, you have worked for what you have. Your children have not worked for what they have. They have what they have because of you. And therefore, you should not be sharing your standard of living with them. You should not be giving them a ride that is equivalent to yours. this and I said this in the first half of the show. You should be raising your children in a way that convinces them that and I'm not talking about you know some sort of state of of uh, uh you know uh, uh, health endangering deprivation. But you should be raising your children in a way that convinces them that they will be able to create better lives for themselves once emancipated than you are willing to create for them. Are you doing that? The overwhelming likelihood is that you, parent in my listening audience today, you, you, the person listening, yes, look at yourself in a mirror. I'm talking to you. You are not doing that. Atheist parents aren't doing it. Secular humanist parents aren't doing it. Democrat parents aren't doing it. Republican parents aren't doing it. Liberal parents aren't doing it. Conservative parents aren't doing it. Parents who attend no church, parents who attend mainline churches, parents who attend evangelical churches, uh, nobody's doing it in general. And this is why today's kids are a sorry bunch. And I realize, well, hold on a second, Don't, uh, stop, 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 right there. I see you leaping for the uh, remote control of the uh, radio dial to turn me off or go to another station. You know, I recognize that there are exceptions to that, but they are becoming increasingly few and far between. So uh, here's evidence of this. This What I'm claiming is that American parenting is nuts. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was recently on an airplane sitting next to a guy who related this story to me, and the guy was intelligent, a lifelong professional, retired, etc., 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 a very interesting guy, and he will, for obvious reasons, remain forever anonymous. I'm not even going to give identifying characteristics, and I pass this along to you, my listening audience, because it is a quintessential example of the general intemperance of today's parenting. Intemperance, it means excess. Okay, so the scene opens in the white-collar home of a 14-year-old girl and her parents. She is an only child with the surfeit of implications typically appertaining thereto, at least these days. It is the summer of 2016, and said young teen is between the eighth grade and her first year of high school. One hot and humid summer day, she tells her parents that she does not want to go to the high school in her district because her friends, all of whom play, as does she, on the same elite athletic squad, are going or go to a high school that is some 20 miles away in another county. She informs her parents that she wants to go to 20-mile high also. After much yelling, crying, screaming, gnashing of teeth, threats, resentment, recriminations, and guilt, the parents put their home on the market, sell it, and move to the 20-mile high school district, and everyone lives happily ever after or until said child's next outrageous demand, whichever comes first. And that, folks, is just the tip of the iceberg. What is it like? Wonders a person my age who was denied such privilege as a child. And by the way, we have no resentment about this. <laughs> we, we consider ourselves fortunate compared to today's entitled kids who are miserable. Haven't you noticed? They're miserable. Everything's a drama. They cut themselves, uh, they're depressed, they're on medication by the time they're 13. I mean, this is outrageous. When are we going to wake up? When are we going to wake up? Anyway, what's it like, wonders a person my age who is denied such privilege as a child to be 14 years old and in complete control of one's family, to be able at age 14 to throw a tantrum and thus cause one's parents to pick up and relocate? What is it like to be a big deal with a capital B and a capital D at age 14? What sort of adulthood, in the chronological sense of the term only, does this portend? Well, the answers are, in order, weird, strange, and unhappy. What's it like, wonders a person who is denied such privilege as a child, like me, to be 14 years old and in complete control of one's family? That's weird. What's it like to be a big deal at age 14? Well, that's strange. What sort of adulthood in the chronological sense of the term only does this portend? Now, well, let me go over weird and strange first. It's weird and strange, uh, for sure, this kind of childhood where you can throw a tantrum and get your parents to sell their house and move to another school district. I mean, that is just outrageously weird. But it has to be noted that the children in question lack a proper frame of reference. They have no way of knowing what a legitimate childhood is like, including being no big deal. Therefore, they are, to borrow from their own vernacular, clueless. Because the big deal child in the year 2016 is ubiquitous, the big deal child does not know that his or her childhood is weird and strange from a normal albeit outmoded, point of view. But the real problem, and not just for them, but for the rest of us as well, is the strong likelihood that the children in question will never experience sustained contentment as adults. The only adult lifestyle that begins to compare to a childhood where nearly all of one's whims and demands are satisfied by servant parents who are afraid of you is celebrityhood. And anyone who pays attention, I mean if you buy groceries, you have to know this. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about passing through the checkout line and seeing those absurd magazines with, you know, Kate and Brad are now dating. Woo, and Angelina's got a psychological problem. Well, wow. Uh, No one would have guessed. (laughs) Anyway, anybody who is paying attention to the world today, which, uh, you know, I do somewhat reluctantly at times, must be aware that celebrity and contentment are hardly synonymous. Paul talks about contentment. Let me guarantee you, Paul was not talking about celebrityhood. It's in Philippians. Go read it. Anyway, I have long noticed that a good number of children now known as millennials seem to believe, and I've said this before on the show, but it, it, it bears repeating, seem to believe these millennials, what is that, 18 to 35, something like that, seem to believe that a life without drama is a life without meaning. And I'll extend that down to 12 years old. That people 12 to 35, and I'll extend that up to 40, seem to believe that a life without drama is a life without meaning. That's pitiful. Anyway, because life is not a drama, they manufacture it out of the mundane. Every insult is a cause for drama. Every conflict is a cause for drama. Every disappointment, every bump in the road is a cause for drama. Now, folks, this is the inevitable consequence of a childhood that is high on indulgence and short on responsibility. Fifty-plus years ago, parents took opportunities to remind children that they were just little fish in a big pond. That reminder has been absent from American parenting for quite some time, during which the goal of American child has morphed from preparing children for the realities of big life To making them perpetually happy by creating the impression slash illusion that they are big fish. The question becomes where do they go from here? I'm John Roseman, your host. The show is called Because I Said So American Family Radio, every Saturday at 5 o'clock central throughout the United States. Thanks for joining us.